The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 31 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. His name is Joe Favalero. He is at Joe Strange, S-T-R-A-Y-N-G-E, on Twitter. You probably know Joe. He's pretty active on Twitter, and he has a script right now that's buzzing on the blacklist. It's called The Black Dog. And um, yeah, he's gotten eight or above a few times on it, um, had some really positive feedback, and I believe he just signed a shopping agreement for it, which you'll hear more about in this episode. But um, just really cool things happening for Joe right now. If you follow him, you already know this. He is kind of the king of making really cool screenplay posters, like concept posters for his screenplays. And I'm just a big fan of that. I think he always has really cool vision for those things um and they always look like movies i want to see even though they're not produced yet so that's a good sign right um but joe is a cool guy uh we have a lot in common in that we're both sober dudes so we talk about that a little bit we talk about you know who he is as a writer we talk about his influences and he's a horror fan i'm a horror fan so if you're a horror fan you're gonna enjoy this episode because we talk about some of our favorite horror movies and just things like that. But if you're not a horror fan, you'll still take a lot of good away from this conversation. We talk a lot about writing and story in general and the industry and all that stuff. This was recorded pre-strike, so we don't talk about the writer's strike really at all. Um, If that was what you're looking for, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe this will be a nice break from what's actually going on in the industry. The, the, The better times of a few weeks ago. I've just truthfully been lazy on editing this one and getting it out. I've been really focused on writing, but I got this one done tonight, and I'm excited to drop it. I will say, guys, CAPTCHA, a short film that I made, a sci-fi thriller, comedy, horror, short. um, Sci-fi thriller, horror, comedy, short film. That's what I should have said. Uh, It's on YouTube and Vimeo. No one cares about my Vimeo, though. They're only watching on YouTube. So you can watch it on YouTube if you want. Um, It's a short film I wrote and directed with a couple friends. We only spent a couple hundred dollars on it. Very small crew, four-person crew, uh, three-person cast. But one of the cast members was our sound guy, Chris Bauer. Um, But uh, it's a little passion project that we made that people really took a liking to. And if you haven't seen it, I'd really love it if you watched that. I'd appreciate it. You can check out my YouTube channel, too, Andy Compton, and you'll see other short films I've made, some that I love, some that I'm a little bit more embarrassed by now. But that's the process, right? It's all just growing and learning and getting better. So you can backtrack and see uh, some of my earlier work from film school. That's all, guys. Really appreciate you listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Joe Favalero. All right, Joe Favalero, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Fuck yeah, I'm stoked. I've, I've listened to this podcast and followed you for so long. I'm just like, one day, one day I'll be on there. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we've been following each other for quite a while now. And yeah. I think one cool thing that we've always kind of shared with each other is we are both sober guys. Yeah. Um, both had a, a past with alcohol and we both have given it up since, uh, which yeah. I imagine I can't speak for you, but for me, it's been for the better. 
hundred percent. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be doing this right now with, if I continued. <laughs> That's what I say to people all the time. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be sober and um, it's, you know, you lose a lot of your social life and, you know, things just change. Um, yeah. I, I used to think of it as a great loss, but now I kind of think of it as just a great change that had yeah. to happen. But, um, but I tell people all the time, you know, I, even if it was like, you know, maybe I'll have one beer. The minute that I decide that all of this cool shit that I've built for myself in the last five years goes Go away. On. I just yeah. know it. Like I know yeah. myself, I know how I am, all this motivation and ambition that I've had. The minute I yeah. give myself an out to just give up and not care anymore, that's when this all goes away. So a hundred percent. Yeah. I know that dark abyss just waiting on the edge for us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, dude. And I mean, and that's not even factoring in for like all the like mental health, depression stuff. That yeah. Just add that and... all on top of it. Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard, yeah. hard enough time with that sober in a healthy state of mind to deal with that. So let's I've got, not, let's I've not got some things, got some tools that can help. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, cool. I do want to just if for people who don't know, Joe, uh, is your Twitter handle at Joe Strange? Yeah, with a Y. In okay, the so weird part. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Joe S-T-R-A-Y-N-G-E. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So and, you know, many of you listening probably already follow Joe. You're out there. You're in the in the Twitter verse. You, you tweet too much, yeah. just like me. Yeah. <laughs> way too late, too much way time too often. Twitter. Yep. Absolutely, dude. Yep. Uh, so I do just want to say a little bit about Joe for everyone. And this is just coming straight from your own bio. But Joe Favolero is a blacklist recommended Canadian screenwriter, novelist, poet and punk musician, which is awesome. Uh, I, I love punk. Uh, a graduate of Toronto Film School's screenwriting program, Joe focuses on character driven horror, thriller and drama features, exploring psychological and existential themes. Joe has an option agreement with an established American director-producer duo who are releasing a film through Paramount. Um, Joe's current goal is to find representation and connect with passionate filmmakers, which I think your current goal of finding representation has to be right around the corner. You're getting so much buzz on the blacklist right now. That's amazing. How many, how many eights or above have you gotten now? Um, there's four eights and one nine. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, Man, there's I'm, a lot of other things on there too. There's a lot of sevens, a couple fives, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. across the board. So it's not all, it's not all roses. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all part of the play in the game, playing the lottery. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's amazing. And, you know, to hit, to hit the, the jackpot, so to speak that many times, it definitely speaks to the writing. Um, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it does. Uh, so let's just start right from the top. Joe, how'd you get into screenwriting? It's kind of a weird, long trip, I guess, but like it kind of started like, I mean, I always grew up watching movies and loving movies and stuff. Like my dad showed me Goodfellas when I was like seven. So like I was obsessed with film, but a lot mm -hmm. of the times it was not going to theaters to see movies. It was being alone watching them. So I always had an affinity of living with those stories on my own and like i never thought about them like somebody wrote these things i never thought of that so i was always just like i started off as a novelist and a poet outside of being a musician and stuff and then like i spent years doing that stupid <laughs> stupid <laughs> dance and then like i was in australia and i was watching all of those round tables that they have like during the oscars and stuff like oh yeah 
yeah. all the writers the talking about it. Hollywood and like, Reporter and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, maybe when I get back, I'll think about film school. That'd be kind of interesting. Like, people write these movies. Maybe I could write those movies. And then yeah. life went downhill and then pandemic happened. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And that's kind of how it started. Nice. That's amazing. So like, cause I, I have a similar background in, well, my first love and passion and dream, I guess you could say was skateboarding, fell in love yeah. with skateboarding as a kid, really, really went hard at it for a lot of years and got pretty good, but not quite good enough. Um, and then I, during that time I was always playing music and playing in yeah. bands. So were you, and are you still pursuing music professionally or have you pretty much fully transitioned into chasing the screenwriting dream? Um, it's kind of weird because like, I've kind of, it, it's not that I don't want to do it professionally. I would love to go on tour and I would love to continue writing and recording music and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, I've kind of gotten over the fact that I'll be doing that. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, okay, with just, you know, having a band playing a couple shows here and there, and then like going to a studio and writing music just for the pure love of it. Because mm -hmm. yeah it's hard to do Dude, that, yeah you know? i had i had to decide yeah. i think around 24 is when well no maybe 25 26 right before going to a college which kind of started me on the path to writing was when i made that conscious decision of like man it's not gonna happen is it with music yeah it's not gonna happen with that either so it was my second heartbreak and I was really lost as a person, just like, dude, I'm just going to work a fucking job I hate for the rest of my life, aren't I? Like, yeah. which for so many people in the world is totally fine. And you don't even necessarily hate the job. But for like artsy people who really, really want to express themselves for a living, yeah. um, it's it's just every day is agonizing working normal. Like I worked a lot of warehouse jobs and I worked in restaurants and just like, yeah. you know, regular blue collar jobs that are fine. And they, you know, put some money in your pocket, but um, not what I wanted to be doing. So like I'm every day I wake up grateful that I found this, that, uh, yeah. that, and that I'm somehow like have a bit of a knack for it and uh, yeah, I'm doing sure. okay. Cause like, yeah. and I also talk about how, like I had friends who played music too. And, um, you know, I, I was all right. I was an okay musician, but I have friends who like kind of just were just so good. Yeah. It's so yeah. great. And I I've always, so kinda, many of those. yeah. And I always kind of looked yeah. at them just being like, damn, like, I don't, I have to be honest with myself. I'm not that. And I don't know if I can become that. And yeah. uh, screenwriting and filmmaking has kind of been my thing where I'm like, oh, that's the thing that I'm like quickly excelling at and doing pretty good in. And, you know, and not that it's a competition, but maybe other people are looking at me like that. And I'm not saying that yeah. not, I'm better than you since all I'm saying is, oh, shit, I think I found my thing. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. and that's like just been amazing. So, yeah, I had to make that hard decision, too, about music, all to say that. But I, yeah. I feel it, man. That's that's super cool, though, to just be like. I just want to, it's also a lot more freeing to say, I just want to make art for art's sake. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, those guys that we were talking about, like the friends that are incredible at music, I recruited yeah. a couple of them to my band. Uh -huh. So like, it makes us sound better. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and yep. like, I mean, like see at the same, at the end of the day too, like if something were to happen down the road where like the record company wanted to be like, we'll put out your record, mm -hmm. go off. 100% go for it. Why not? Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I've just kind of not like, it's not like I've given up. I've just shifted perspective on the music thing where it's yeah. like, 
I just love making music. It's my first love. So it's like you yeah. skateboarding, right? This is my yep. first thing that got me that creative bug. So like, and yeah. like shit, if I could transition my love of music into putting it into film or something too someday. Yeah. I, movies have music. <laughs> Dude, I say use all your gifts. Yeah, like yeah. for sure. Definitely use that. Um, and yeah, with skateboarding, you know, I still skateboard and I fucking, yeah. uh, I feel like an idiot at the skate park when it's a bunch <laughs> of 13 year olds whizzing around me and they're way better than me now. And my time has kind of come and gone, but I do it for the love of the game now. Yeah, but you, you can know? give them insight. I can't. They don't, I don't think that, I don't even know <laughs> if it's a good look for me to approach these children and start talking to them. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a, it, who knows? But uh, I just stay <laughs> in my own lane up there and uh, stay next to my little, eight inch off the ground ledge and i skate that all day because i can't get hurt too bad on it yeah Yeah. um but anyway uh let's get back to your writing uh okay cool so joe i kind of talked about it in the opening but i want to hear it from you how would you describe your brain my brain or my brand brand uh you can say brain too let's hear both because my brain is not not good not uh, good. I don't, okay. I like to think of myself and I'm not as good as these people, but I like to think of myself as like Paul Schrader's and Ari Aster's neglected stepchild kind of oh, thing. Oh man, I love that mix. That's, that's awesome. probably that's probably close to it. I mean, I aspire to be like them one day. Yeah, right. I see the like Midsommar that. poster behind you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Taxi drivers above it. Oh, is it? Okay, great. Oh, yeah. There you go. You got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's closest to my brand. I don't know. I write very dark things that are, I guess, pertain to my life that kind of, if I try to make fictional, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's hard yeah. trying to brand yourself. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah, it's brutal. But I mean, it sounds like, I mean, just from what I've heard of your writing and seen, you know, things that you've shared online. And then I just saw your short film that you wrote, um, which I loved. Uh, it's yeah I love things like that it seems like you have a story to tell and I think that's the most important thing as a screenwriter is either you have a unique story to tell or you have a unique perspective on the world that you know yeah yeah um, so you have a lot of things to talk about I think I'll usually find uh, things to relate to in your work because again like you know some of the things that come out in your work seem to be about you know substance abuse or alcohol and things and I that's I've written about that a lot too (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. it's a big part of my life for sure um, but yeah the coolest thing though is finding people who connect with that yeah and, you know that's that's why they love your work and um yeah it's been very tough right. trying to find people to connect with it though <laughs> to be quite honest <laughs> yeah, with with those specific themes or with your work in general i think with a lot of my work i'm working towards finding those people but like yeah i mean like it's i definitely do err on the darker side of things and oh okay so, so yeah it, with it's a balance that I'm still learning to figure out Yeah, to kind of not to please everybody, but you know, it's, I believe in what I have to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. Stubborn. Well, see, that's, that's part of like, I just had Zach Zucker on here, a manager from Bellevue. Yeah. And um, that was what our whole episode was about was about, you know, the oh. intersection of where your creative self meets the screenwriting market. Yeah. And it's like, it's just a game we all have to play for me. And I've said this before on the podcast, for me, a lot of my thing was the stories I was writing were really small, really small dramedies and something that my manager has worked with me on. But then like I have a feature in development and the producing team has worked with me on is 
expanding the world, make it feel bigger. You know, it's such a tiny story and those are fine and they have their place in the world, but like, it's just a hard sell, especially now it's, it's even harder than ever to sell anything that isn't a big Marvel movie or uh, just a knockout horror film, which I love the state of horror right now. Horror is still killing it. It makes um, me very happy. I felt in love with writing horror movies because I mean, it's just such a great vehicle for everything that goes on in my head and what I have to say too. So like, We'll see. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it's a great it's a great way into the industry, too. And you should do it for the love of horror, not because it's horror selling right now. Yeah, exactly. You know, like if you do that, I, I'll tell you what, I'm a loyal horror fan my whole life. And I think you are probably, too. Yeah. Um, horror fans are a dedicated breed and they will sniff that shit out right away. If you're just like 100%. making a horror fan movie just because they're selling like your movie's not going to be good. It's not going to be yeah. a good tribute to the genre. It's just like metal fans. Dead. Metal fans are diehard. And if they sniff bullshit, there's nope. You're oh, out. yeah, I totally yeah. see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, too, like, you know, the history of skateboarding and Hollywood, Hollywood gets skateboarding wrong all the time. And the first yeah. movie I've seen that really did it in a true way was mid-90s. Um, yeah. Jonah Hill's movie. movie. just yeah, it told it in the realest way. It's that's what it's like. It's hanging out with your homies every day. You guys are just skating. You're getting into shit. But like, I don't know. There's just been a lot of unrealistic, uh, like, sup, brah, kind but of you don't portrayals like of skateboarding. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, let, let's not get into what I don't like about <laughs> skateboarding and movies. This is a very public podcast that goes out to get, fifteen get people. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, I don't want that. If uh, if anyone offers me the chance to do a skateboarding movie, I will do it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally get it. And, um, you know, just in the last year with like, you know, how Smile performed at the box office and Barbarian and yeah. just a lot of movies right now, horror is really the only one contending with these giant superhero movies. And I don't have a beef with superhero movies, but I do just love seeing more interesting things get, big at the box office and horror yeah, seems to sure. be doing it yeah i feel like horror is like one of the most honest genres too you know what i mean like it yeah. could just be honest about what the fuck they're trying to say which is i think that's the one thing i love so much about it <laughs> yeah absolutely i agree um cool okay so let's get into like how you write so since everyone's oh writing routine is unique <laughs> can you describe your regular writing routine to me like, do you write in the morning, at night? Do you work in an office? Do you write in a coffee shop? Do you lay in bed and write? What's it usually like for you? Um, well, I write in this office. It's like windowless. It's just quiet. Like, it's it, it, I don't I really have a time I write. I kind of try to have a schedule where it's like I wake up around 8 or 9, do my whatever routine of I have to have three cigarettes before I do anything at all because I'm sick, but you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, then I get, then I get to work and I'll just, I'll, I'll try to write anywhere from like 10 to like three or four or something like that if I can. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put it down for the day. But then sometimes, you know, an idea comes and I'll just kind of sneak back into the office and work a little bit at night. I used to be a massive night hawk, like, you know, when I was partying and stuff, writing from noon or midnight till like 6 a.m. So oh, yeah. it's like yeah. total switch too, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's interesting. I love the idea of writing super dark horror stuff in a windowless room. You guys can't see it, but Joe is in a windowless room right now. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's got a good horror vibe. There's horror movie posters. You got a guitar rack back there that's yeah. quite full. It's it's a nice Old dark creepy vibe. paintings from my grandmother's fucking basement. <laughs> oh, no shit. Oh yeah. yeah, that's dude. That you know that maybe that doesn't get talked about enough is the atmosphere for writing. Like, uh, yeah. I definitely someday want to have like my ultimate like writer's office someday. This isn't it. This is my bedroom, but um, hey, it works. I'm, I'm hoping one day. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like I can't understand people that write in public. That's I did it once for when I was writing my novel and stuff. I was at a bar. Yeah, couldn't do it. Instantly dude. put the laptop away and just started getting hammered. Like I could yeah. not. It's like. What am I going to do? Put headphones in and like not pay attention to what's going on. I know. I I don't get that. I really don't even coffee shops. Like I can't do it. Um, I need to go find a quiet place where I feel like I'm by myself. Like even when I was in college, I was kind of on the run all the time. And uh, my, my school was like 35 minutes away from my house. So once I was on campus, you know, if I had like a four hour gap between classes, I would just stay on campus a lot of times. And because I had homework to do and shit like that, but um, I w- I could never go to public areas on campus to like write or anything. I needed to go to like the quietest corner of the library, yeah, and just sure. sit there by myself and you know put headphones in. But yeah, um, I totally get it. I'm the same way, and you know, I, I maybe would you say you fall more on the introvert side or extrovert? Because I've found, especially since getting sober, I'm a lot more introverted than I used to believe. Yeah, I'm definitely more introverted now that I've gotten sober. Like I've mm-hmm. gone to like, it's so funny how it's like, when I was very young, I used to mm-hmm. be very introverted. That mm-hmm. was before all of the partying happened. Yeah, And I've kind of regressed back to that. Mm-hmm. But people tell me I'm still, you know, I'm still very extroverted as well. Like it's, it's a, I think it depends on the situation and the place. Like if That's- I'm at a show seeing buddies play, extroverted as shit but i'm still sitting at the back of the room <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean yeah but that's that's, that's a me weird too. balance yeah that's me too and like when i go to like you know i've done like improv comedy in st louis for a few years and when i go to those shows i can be extroverted but i'm fucking socially exhausted when i get back in the car to go 100%. home like, i'm ready to go home yeah and, uh, complete opposite when i was a drinker and i think that's <sighs> you know maybe like something that a lot of drinkers can relate to is that like, you know, we're kind of lying to ourselves during, uh, because I like really went hard in my teen years. And through that, I think it was, you know, trying to find a sense of who I was and a sense of, you know, having a lot of friends and being, you know, being cool is a big thing. When you're a teenager, you, everyone wants to be cool and wants to have friends and be liked. And uh, I think that did play a big role in me, you know, getting so into drinking. Oh yeah. um, yeah. And then I realized yeah, later, I just like, oh, you're not even... Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just be that deep novelist guy. Yeah. Um, it didn't work. <laughs> no, you know, you gotta, you gotta have the goods too, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think I had the Hunter S. Thompson gene. I don't think, I, yeah. No. Not, no, that's People going away. People used to say that to me too. They're like, you're just like Hunter. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, did you want to be back then or no? At, at that point maybe <laughs> yeah, right yeah yeah i remember when i loved fear and loathing that would have been a compliment for me oh yeah. like yeah dude i am the fucking drugged yeah. out psycho but that's the thing too about like being a screenwriter too and like not drinking mm-hmm. it adds to that structure that you're always working on so like the structure in your screenwriting somehow morphs into 
the structure of your life too, by not drinking of like, yeah. Structuring your life in a new way kind of thing. Like it's, that's just a weird correlation I found. Yeah. That is interesting. I can relate to that too. Cause Um, with novels and stuff, I never thought of structure. I was just pure chaos. mm -hmm. I got clean and like changed like a whole different version of writing to now my life structure kind of (laughs) now the work's structured. Oh my God, I'm doing good. Yeah. Interesting. That is an interesting parallel because yeah. that's, that's the difference between novel. Well, I mean, the thing is novel novels do have structure, of course, Yeah. but like, yeah, screenwriting is the structure is so important because you're saying the most you can possibly say in the fewest words possible. So yeah, exactly. Every word has to count and yeah, your structure has to be just nailed where novels, you can have one chapter that's really, really long. And then a, you know, two page chapter next. And you yeah. Can and all the shit I wrote was mm-hmm. stream of consciousness. So it was like, yeah. there was no structure. It was going from every corner of the world. <laughs> right. Like, I feel like that's how a lot of novelists are too. Like, definitely. I think that about like Stephen King and his Coke era. It was oh, just yeah. like going crazy <laughs> at the typewriter. You know? Yeah. It's just wild. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So let's talk about your writing process. So you have a brand new idea. What's the first thing that you do? Do you jump into an outline? Do you need to find a title before you can write? Do you write a log line? Do you just jump yeah. into pages? What's the first it's, thing you do? It really depends on the story, but 90% of the time it's a log line and a title. Once I have those, I can kind of, start the beat sheet outline or whatever yeah me too and we're a rare I have breed. to have that like solid even if it doesn't end up as the final log line mm-hmm. if i have that solid like engine of like what i'm trying to say and character images that's swirling around through it then i'll go right into that and i also like i obviously i also do the posters too because once i have like a visual tone mm-hmm. for myself too that kind of keeps me set in where i'm going yeah, your posters are so dope, by the way. I'm I just okay. want to say that, like, you, I, I think of everyone on screenwriting Twitter, no shots at anyone. You have the best, like, screenplay posters, like, just concept posters. Oh, thank um, you. I try so my best. Good. I'm still yeah. learning a lot. <laughs> so, what's your process on that? Like, if can I peek behind the curtain of how you make these posters? I literally, like, I just try to keep it very simple. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I have, I obviously have the idea for the story with the log line and the title and whatnot. And then I think of like, it's usually something along the lines of like an image from the story I'm seeing in my head. And I'll just try to find those images on Google and then just make it look pretty. Yeah. (laughs) It's like just something that keeps me focused on the tone of what I'm going for while also kind of being exciting too. Because if it excites me, then like hopefully it'll excite other people. Right, right. Um, next question would be, have you gotten any like positive feedback on the poster that was like, it enticed me more to read the screenplay? Because I've seen a few people tweet, uh, you know, in the past year or so, do should you have a poster for your screenplay? And of course, the answer is whether you want to or not. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not a requirement and it doesn't count you out if you don't. But um, have you had any like added interest because of the poster you made? Yeah, it's helped a lot. Like I, I just do it for fun. You know what I mean? I'm not doing mm-hmm. it because, like, yes, it works as marketing and all that kind of shit. But like, mm-hmm. I do just do. It. It's another creative outlet for me. That's yeah. the only reason why. But yeah, I've had uh, quite a few people reach out to read stuff because of the poster yeah. attached with the log line and stuff. 
I've had people ask me to make them posters, which oh, I really I do feel weird about because I'm not a professional. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like I don't know if I feel good enough to charge money for it. Yeah. <laughs> I You're gonna be the next uh, creepy duck designs that oh, guy you seen his posters. They're amazing. Like I yeah, couldn't. They're so I can't. good. Yeah. 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 And also, that's another reason why I started doing it is I couldn't afford to pay somebody else to make them. <laughs> so yep, that's that's you know, why gonna... I started too. Yeah, I, I've done yeah. a few in my day, and um, but usually mine aren't for this. Well, I've done a couple for the screenplay. Do you do you um? And I can leave this in or cut it out. But do you uh? Do you make sure they're copyright free images like? Fair yeah, use yeah, or yeah. Do you do? Oh, you do. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes, like if I really need an image, I'll like pay for the um shutter shock or whatever like the mm. license to use them and stuff so mm. if i can find it free yeah i'll use it and then mm. if i really want a good image then i'll i'll dole out some money for it interesting okay cool yeah that's awesome yeah. That, hey that's commitment to the art um, <laughs> yeah it uh, also my bank account hates me i gotta stop making posters <laughs> yeah no i mean it, it is working though i think and uh yeah, it's. I, I would encourage anyone to get into it because why not? You know, um, yeah, it's, you, you, you it's just another me. way to be creative, right? It's just, yep, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> you, you mentioned too, though, the marketing part of it, and yeah. I think that's like a part that not a lot of screenwriters, up and coming screenwriters on Twitter, you know, all of our peers over there. I, I don't hear too many people talking about like the marketing side of it, which I actually do think is important, yeah. and I think that it's. Part of the reason that I have had any of the success that I've had was thinking about the marketing side of it. And like, I think that's something I see you doing quite a bit too, like with your blacklist recommends and, um, you know, doing the poster thing and making sure people understand your brand just through your tweets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, was, sorry. Yeah. That was Nathan oh, Davis. I took like when he, talked about his blacklist success stuff. I was like, okay, how, if he did it that way, I should ask him how he did it. And like, okay, I'm going to try doing it the way he did it with, you know, posting the reviews, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. but the marketing thing. And it can't like feel like marketing too, right? You just got to be your authentic self, yep. which I think is why people gravitate to you so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. For one, you're hilarious too. Oh, you thanks. talk about, good things you make great things you know what i mean so you your brand is just fun and oh, thanks, i fell in love with it <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah yeah um and yeah nate does a great job of that too yeah Nathan graham davis yeah. um and i think you know just to put it out there and i think you would probably agree that it can feel weird at first it can feel a little bit self-serving and like yeah. you know kind of sometimes it's a little bit gross like being so self-promoting but it's kind of a necessary evil and I think that, you know, most of us on Twitter, not only are we excited for you, but like, um, but we understand the game that we're all kind of playing on there too, yeah. is like, you're just trying to be seen. And I've always said that, like, if, you know, no one is going to reach out to you and give you your big chance or your first chance or your, you know, first shot, if they don't know who you are. Yeah. So you kind of have to be loud about yourself and who you are. Um, not to the point where it's like, Oh my God, this person never shuts the fuck up. But like, yeah, yeah. Uh, take a couple is, days off here and there. <laughs> yeah. Take a couple days yeah. off here and there. But like, you know, when you have a significant announcement to make or something cool happened or 
you know, even something as simple as like, hey, I, I finished the first draft of this. I'm going to post the title page on yeah. Twitter. And, you know, because we all love that shit. Like it's inspir- yeah. it's inspiring to all of us. But getting on the radar, like, you know, I don't know how many people are listening right now who haven't listened to other episodes. But I'll just say the way that I got my manager was by posting a lot on Twitter, being seen, kind of developing this like little bit of a brand. And then in July, of, I did that for about a year and a half. And in July of 2021, I placed pretty deep in the nickel. Yeah. And through that, I started getting a couple managers biting, but nothing really significant. And then uh, Roadmap Writers actually reached out to me and they were like, hey, saw you placed in the, the nickel um we just like your tweets uh would it be okay if we sent your stuff out and from there they sent my stuff out and my eventual manager jared murray at epicenter was the person one of the people that they sent to so literally being loud about myself on twitter is kind of how i ended up getting a manager and you know it took a few steps to get there but like yeah just saying that like you know the branding part of it and the marketing part of it is kind of uh, a necessary evil and good things can come from it and yeah, I'm not no. the only one. Like, there's a lot of people on Twitter yeah, who have had sure. a good amount of success just from consistently being on there and sharing their voice and sharing what they're up to. Yeah, like I even like it even helps with like amplifying other people. I've had, I've not like it's not like I did it, but like me retweeting something has gotten another writer noticed by someone that got their script picked up and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah as much as we are solidary beings as writers, it's definitely a community and helping out and promoting everybody and like being yourself, not being a dick <laughs> that yeah. all helps. It, yeah. We're we're all trying to do the same thing, create art and be, I don't know, try to make the world a bit better. So helping each other out, like takes two yeah. seconds. It's the best. Yeah. And there is enough room for all of us. That's the thing yeah. is like, there's plenty of room for all of us <clears throat> to make it, I just did Ryan Guido's podcast the other day, Real Deal Cinema. Yeah, and you had gone right before me. And at the end, I had said something to the same extent of like, you know, we're all in this together, truly. Like, I'm rooting for you. Um, we, you know, we're all in it for the same reason. And he was like, you just said that almost verbatim what Joe Favalero said. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's so funny because, yeah, he gets it too. Like, you know, it's it's definitely not a competition and that's that's when i think that our little screenwriting twitter world that we've all helped to build is the most beautiful is whenever we're all just cheering each other on it's all chill people like none of the weird characters who have popped in and out over the years who were just fucking weird they Um, never last long it's yeah it's just like yeah i don't have time for the arguments man like all that kind of stuff it's like let's let's make art that's the most important thing you're still breathing i feel like since coming you know we're still a little bit in the pandemic but since it's vastly slowed down um i feel like the drama on twitter has kind of like chilled out a little bit it's because more people are outside doing what they do (laughs) exactly right i think that it was sort of a product of of us all going insane in our homes and um yeah it's just kind of funny how it's it's sort of gone away a little bit but not entirely i still see some shit on there that i'm like never will no, it'll it always will. be there. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, cool. So you come up with a title and a log line, and oh my god, could you hear that just now? No. Oh, okay, cool. It was only on my end. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I had some kind of pop-up thing. Oh. Uh, so you get your log line and your title, and then you jump into outlining. So are you a big outline person, or do you like the free flow of just writing pages, like part of your novel background? It very much depends on the story. Sometimes, sometimes I'll work from a simple beat sheet and just go. Usually those stories don't turn out very well, but they're done, so I can fix them later, which I like doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really depends on the story. Like if it's, I don't know, I don't, I'm still figuring out my process because I'm so like early in this kind of art form too. Me so, too. I feel like I'm learning all the time still. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. never saying no to any process. Right. Yeah. Cause like I, I did the card thing on the, I used to have Bristol board up or whatever. And I made all the cards and here's what happens on this one mm-hmm. that worked for one script, but it, didn't work for another. And then, you know, I tried the Schrader outline and all the, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that's funny. You say it like that because I watched, uh, again, not, it wasn't a THR round table, but it was, Oh, it was actors on actors. Yeah. But it was actually directors on directors and it was okay. the Daniels yeah, and Ryan Johnson and the Daniels were talking about their process and they were like, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm still always learning the process. Like, I feel like every time I start a new script, it's just an absolute mystery how I'm going to go about this thing. Yeah. And I feel like I'm still always trying to learn the right way to do it. And Ryan Johnson was like, well, when you figure it out, let me know. Yeah. Um, and if Ryan and Johnson's saying that. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's just so yeah. funny how these two, you know, well, three technically people at the, the yeah. tippity top of the industry in this moment are saying that it's like yeah we're, we're doing just fine there there's no like there's me. no true answer exactly yeah there's, there's no true answer a singular answer on how to make art yeah, yeah exactly it's just, it's like and the, the moment you start thinking you have have it figured out is probably like when you're doing your worst work too yeah <laughs> i can agree right? with that like, yeah it's always that's the best thing about being an artist is learning new shit constantly and Applying that to what you want to say. That's the best. It's It's yeah. been part of my favorite thing about doing this podcast is like, I'm sort of just like leeching off of everyone and like getting ideas it's a, it's from a things. Good that, idea. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I'm in this for myself. It's not about promoting other writers. It's all about I'm me. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I'm taking your secrets. Yeah. No, but, um, but no, it really has been a really cool thing. Every now and then someone just drops a gem and I'm like, oh man, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, yeah, so you know, we we can all learn from each other too. Hundred um, percent. Okay, cool. So you do believe in outlines, but every project's different. So on average, after you know the idea is conceived and you start thinking about outlines and stuff or just pages, how long does it usually take for a first draft to be complete? On the far end, probably like a month, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can. I think say two to two to three weeks on average Mm -hmm. of just getting like it doesn't have to be good like it's Uh just here it is it exists now so like Mm -hmm. that that's the one thing i had trouble with when i first started was thinking the first draft was going to be fucking perfect (laughs) yep yep it's something i still grapple with yeah i've just let go of that completely i'm just like because i love rewriting and i love figuring out what i fucked up and how i can fix it so like Mm -hmm. if if it takes me a week to finish a first draft i'm completely Mm -hmm. fine with it because it's it exists now i can mold it into something better like a person 
<laughs> yeah, of. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, I I totally get that. Yeah, the first draft is kind of just like the artistry of it, and then you have to be a craftsman or a craftsperson. Yeah, yeah. Then you go out. back in there like a surgeon and just start cutting shit out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, big time. Yeah, the this feature I have in development, I did the most rewrites I've ever done on a script. And I feel like it was such a good just like exercise for me in rewriting and yeah. seeing just how far I can take it. Like, you know, when you think a script's done and then you do a rewrite and you're like, oh, shit, there is still ways to make it better. Like it can yeah, always like, get better. Yeah, the Black Dog went through five or six page one rewrites completely every draft was completely different story wow. until later on the final version final version yeah like it was that that was a labor <laughs> yeah that's incredible yeah. though man uh yeah and it's you know another thing where everyone's different there's no one way of doing it um i yeah. think i'm i'm trying right now to power through earlier i tweeted about wanting to add five pages to a feature tonight i'm trying to get off of my first draft needs to be perfect shit yeah, and yeah. just spit it out. And uh, yeah. it, it's been so hard for me to do, but like, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing it, especially too. Cause I think right now I'm writing things that are like a little more genre. Like uh, this thing's kind of a thriller comedy as opposed yeah, to like the dramedies go. that I came up in. Yeah. So I know how to write the dramedies pretty well. And um, well, not always, obviously, but like <laughs> I've I've successfully done it a couple times now to where they were all right. But um, it's that's also trying to dive into something that feels new and challenging. Yeah. That's been I'm realizing now, like, oh, you kind of have to relearn how to write again when you try to do something you've never done, even in screenwriting, which you think you know how to do. You think you understand story and character yeah. and how all these things balance. <laughs> but just throwing in, you know, that I'm going to write, you know, a paranormal you know ghost story this time a feature when all i've really done is sitcom pilots yeah it's like you're kind of learning to write all over again like how does this all work yeah and like you also just like picking things up as you learn more too right and applying that to like which kind of just fucks you up even more because like yeah. i remember doing it this way and now i've added all these other little bits of shit to my arsenal how do yeah. i apply it to this new thing i'm trying to do like i've been really adding a lot writing a lot more visually on the page mm -hmm. now and like before it was much more just like straight this is character this is blah 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 and forgetting mm -hmm. about the setting the, the the way the film is seen kind of thing and now i'm doing that a lot more and it's like yeah. it just adds so much more fun to it too as you add these yeah. little bits of information to like shit maybe i can do this maybe this is and then you get like halfway through and you're like oh fuck <laughs> I yeah. <give> up. <laughs> yeah yeah no totally though and it, it makes it you know a, a, a more vivid read for your readers too mm -hmm. when you're painting that picture so well yeah um do you direct no not yet you, maybe someday maybe someday I, okay cool i've had so many people ask me if i ever thought about doing it and i'm just like i gotta figure out the writing part first like that's yeah. i want to i love the writing part so i want to figure that out yeah maybe someday i'll like do something well you know just the way you're talking about it like wanting to create the world so vividly and put in a lot of imagery and then seeing the short film that you wrote um which for people who don't know what what was it called again the weight the weight and yeah. it um it has you know a metaphorical use of you know a form of a weight it's not like a lifting weights thing but like yeah. I, I don't want to spoil much but it's got like a, a metaphorical use of uh some symbolism 
and that felt very directory to me. I was actually surprised to get to the end and see that you didn't direct it. But yeah. um, that and then couple that with your influences and your eye for the posters you create, I think you should plan to make a short film. That's something. Just I have something small, I have four or five minutes or something. Okay, yeah. cool. Because I, I think you have an eye and I think you have, I think you have vision is the thing like uh beyond just what's on the page so i would yeah. say i would be excited to see you give it a shot but um, i gotta i think i gotta yeah. find that right idea that i'm just like yeah i don't think anyone else is gonna do this you know what i mean like it yeah. has to come from me kind of thing mm -hmm. but i yep. also like i also kind of want to like you know find my way on i want to write more shorts that other people make so that i can just be on set and learn from those people and just be like how do you do that how do you do that it's all as yep. like it's always learning right yep. so yep steal everybody's tricks and then apply them to my absolutely yeah for me yeah. i would just say you know learn a, learn a little bit about cameras learn a little yeah. bit about lighting and from there if you're directing honestly it's good to know a little bit about every department that's what i try to do yeah um and, you know, I do videography and stuff as a day job, but, um, but which is different from being on set and seeing actual cinematic lighting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, lighting is such a huge part of what makes cinematography look so great. And we don't do that on weddings. We're doing what's called running gun shooting. We're working with what yeah. we got, you know, but um, all the natural <laughs> oh, shit, lights in the, the room. Gone. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? Exactly. Yeah. Crank the ISO, make it look horrible. Um, get but a anyway, flashlight. Yeah, get a flashlight. Yeah, we've I've done that for one thing, and uh, it was a send off at the end of a wedding. The last shot of the day was the bride and groom getting on a boat and yeah. like floating away off a dock in a boat. No lights, pitch black, so we all shine cell phone lights on them, uh, and it, it looked like a scene out of the Blair Witch Project. It looked so amazing. bad to end their wedding, like it was just like fucking horrific. It was scary. The couple were beautiful, and they were nice people. Yeah. But um, the lighting just made it so scary. And it was like, we can't use that. So we didn't. Oh we ended up not using it. But there yeah, you, go. you know, the, the lighting makes a difference. But yeah. um, but no, yeah. But from there, you know, you know a little about every department. As a director, though, really all you're doing, you're there for the story. You're guiding yeah. the story and how we're going to tell this story. And us as writers, I mean, who knows the story better than us? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, you know, I get that not everyone wants to do it, but like, I would encourage if you have even a small inkling that you would like to direct a film, it's like, dude, go try. Cause you might yeah. love it. Cause that's what I found. I love it. But, yeah. Uh, I've definitely, I've definitely, it's definitely living in the back of my head yeah. and especially as I write more scripts too. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. Or, or I'll just be like one of those people that waits till they're like 65 and then all of a sudden come out of nowhere and be like, I got a film. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no one way of doing it. Uh, okay, cool. So we've talked about it a little bit, but I want you to reiterate for me. Uh, what are some of your hobbies outside of screenwriting that help keep you sane? Music, for sure, obviously. That's mm -hmm. like, that also helps me be a better writer too, I think. Because I, whenever I get stuck on something, I just turn around and I pick up the guitar and noodle for a couple minutes, sing a song, mm. go back to the work. Like, treating that as more of like not a hobby but a passion and then treating this as actual work too keeps it separate and i i, I paint sometimes that's always oh, cool. good but it's not it's not good painting <laughs> it's yeah. it's more <laughs> jackson pollock throwing shit to get anger out and whatnot but yeah. like um that's sick 
I have a lot of creative hobbies, you know, like even the posters are hobbies. It's, I just mm-hmm. like being creative no matter what. But yeah. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, I never thought about that too, about just turning around and picking up a guitar as a way of freeing like a momentary writer's block. Yeah. Um, or just like a momentary exhaustion. Like my thing now, which is the worst thing is picking up the phone and looking at Twitter. And then yeah. before I know it, 30 minutes have gone by and I'm like, fuck. I'm the same way, man. Yeah. I think we all are like, yeah, I think we there's are. people out there that lie about it and they don't yeah. want to admit it. Yeah. But we're all the same. Yeah. We Anytime get- people try to flex about how they don't care about Twitter, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck you. I don't care. I wear it on my sleeve that I'm yeah, I addicted, am addicted to, this to this app. <laughs> it's not the healthiest thing. Um, but it is what it is. It gives me a little bit of happiness. And, uh, yeah. also I just have ADHD, man. I just fucking, I, I can't, I can't focus. Yeah. <laughs> like literally I've had times where I'm sitting there with my laptop in my lap script document open and I'm on my phone and I realize it that I've been on it for 20 minutes and I literally have just like put it to sleep and thrown it on my bed. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I've why thrown it across the room. The phone? Like yeah, why yeah, do you just- exist? exactly like i just like it's weird how i like catch myself like subconsciously i had no idea that i had picked up the phone and started looking at it it wasn't a conscious decision and then i'm like dude just work on the script what are you doing but yeah it's it's crazy i shut my phone off quite a bit just because it gets too much (laughs) yeah absolutely um cool so what is a recent accomplishment that you're proud of it could be screenwriting related but it doesn't have to be um shit i woke up today that's good <laughs> that's a that's good one good. yeah that's still very here good. alive yep. breathing mm-hmm. uh that's probably the biggest one i guess getting out of yeah. bed <laughs> yeah yeah that um, is good yeah i don't know i guess like the blacklist stuff is pretty wild to me i'm yeah that's where my mind would go for you just because of the story and like i believe in it so much and i've had so many no's from it and mm-hmm. so much like understandable resistant resistance because it's a heavy story so to get a little bit of validation like that that made me very happy (laughs) momentarily and then i started thinking about it and doubting myself again but as it goes um yeah yeah no that's good um do you know offhand the the log line for the black dog uh yeah haunted by a tragedy he failed to prevent a photographer descends into madness when a supernatural dog um, attacks and relentlessly pursues him. That's awesome. Okay. So, and I can see this as being like deeply art house horror. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a heavy one. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. But there's, so light, you... there's light in it. They, I just need people to see it. It's yeah. It's, yeah. So are you letting people read this? Uh, I guess kind of currently I did just try sign a shopping agreement with oh, a producer okay. for it. So Dude, it's, congratulations. That's a, yeah. so that's the agreement. Yeah. I'm stoked. Dude. Fuck. Yeah. That's, yeah. um, last April. So a year ago I signed a shopping agreement for the feature that's in development for me Yeah, and it took a year, but things are finally really, really happening with it. Yeah. And it's super exciting. So like, uh, I, I hope that this goes well for you. I would think so. People don't really jump into shopping agreements for no reason. Yeah, uh, for sure. So that's sick, dude. Um, yeah, I'm, I could, I'm I just, I feel like I could see your shit ending up at like an A24 or something like that. that's, that's the dream. One, one day yeah. they're like, yeah. 
I'm one of the with their diehard fans. Yeah, same here. I know I yeah. love their stuff. Um, but I, I felt like almost like whenever I first started seeing A24 films, like a new, like a rejuvenated excitement for movies, because I was yeah. just so used to seeing like the regular Hollywood, you know, movies that were coming out in theaters and stuff. And I wasn't into international film at the time. And I wasn't really into like, you know, cool underground artsy stuff. Mm. I felt like A24 was like, reaching out that olive branch to like people like me who weren't digging for really cool cinema. Yeah. And um, just like, I remember seeing like ex machina and the witch and stuff like that and being like, dude, these feel like different kind of movies. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Getting so excited by it. So yeah, I'll always hold a soft spot for them and they haven't missed very much at all over their whole filmography. They've had some yeah. that I don't like as much as others, but like, dude, when you consider the full body of work, pretty incredible it's wild yeah. it's wild yeah, yeah. like I, i'm the same way like i was like i grew up watching you know fucking scorsese films constantly and whatnot and like i was obsessed with christopher nolan as a kid he was my mm -hmm. like god mm -hmm. and then like i kind of watched a couple of international films here and there just because mm -hmm. like, some french canadian films and whatnot and like mm -hmm. never dug deep into anything else and then I saw Hereditary and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. What the fuck is this? Hereditary, <laughs> Hereditary was a big moment for me. Yeah. I actually, um, uh, I've told this story before, but I saw that when I saw it the first time, I ended up seeing it three days in a row. Just Damn. like, I think it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And, uh, Cause I was just so excited. And as a horror fan, I went with a couple improv friends the first night and was blown away. I was like, that's yeah. one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, especially horror and then the next day my buddy luke who is like my horror buddy i was like dude we gotta go see this shit like you gotta see hereditary now he's like yeah. all right so we went up there and saw it and then my mom is like the person who got me into horror films when i was a little kid i was like yeah. you gotta go fucking see this with me so i took my, <laughs> I took my mom the third day to go see hereditary that's amazing uh and yeah it's just yeah that movie fucking blew me away so i feel it it's a great yeah movie. it's so weird too because like Whenever I watched movies, I was always watching them by myself at home. I, like I rarely went to the theater to see stuff. So like mm -hmm. I found stuff way later. Mm -hmm. Never got to see anything. Like I I saw Inception in theaters mm -hmm. and like all of the other Nolan films because like I knew about them and that was it. And then yeah. like later when I found out about these other movies, I was like, holy shit! So I watched Hereditary like for a week straight. On, yeah. when it came on online or whatever and i bought it and i was just like this is my personality now <laughs> yeah right like, i know it was fuck. yeah he he it, it was it's such a special movie um i wish i would have seen interstellar in theaters that's one i really wish that's I one i saw three days in a row really yeah oh yeah. man god what an incredible movie yeah um, it was that and because i think when did it came out 2015 right i couldn't tell you but that sounds yeah. right and I think Wolf of Wall Street came out around the time, too, or a year before, maybe. Because that was another movie I went three times in a row to see. Oh, was it? Sick. Yeah, I was like, yeah. and there's three different versions yeah. of me for that film, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, we're off camera. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how, yeah, some movies, uh, my most recent one, I didn't see it three days in a row, but I did see it three times was um, Barbarian. I loved Barbarian. Yeah. Man, that, that movie so is just insane like yeah. so good so good so so unexpected and so again for 
lifelong fans of horror it's just like a fresh entry into the genre that's like yeah the same way hereditary was for me because one thing i loved about hereditary uh, we're just going to keep talking about hereditary it's, for too it's long. Yeah, it's just podcast now <laughs> yes yeah, yeah yeah but like um one thing i loved was uh and i don't know if you remember this but in the marketing of the film the trailers it looked like it was all going to be focused around charlie no spoilers but um, it all looked like it was going to be a, a little kid possessed movie. And it's oh. like, how many how many of those have we gotten? You know, but she was yeah, in yeah. almost like she was in a lot of the trailer and it looked like it was going to be about this girl being possessed. And it's like we've done that, you know, been there, done that so many times. And then to go there and see it. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You get something completely different. And it was like, oh, man, I love that they took that risk. Yeah. With the marketing just like. Because that almost felt like just like a treat for movie fans of like, hey, we did a little bait and switch um, yeah. with something as high stakes as the marketing of the film. Um, I think that's uh, one thing that the art of marketing for these things is so wild, too. Like, yeah. like how, how you get people enticed to see something is wild to me. I kind of baked it into the black dog a little bit because I had this dream of like just seeing a there's a, a scene where posters are being put up that say like have you seen this dog i've made a couple of them or whatever and i just had a dream that like what if there was an entire street filled with them mm. in real life to market the film kind of thing i was like that would be so wild <laughs> dude that's a great idea kind of like did you see the smile viral yeah, marketing? yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, love, I love stuff like that bringing the horror yeah. into real life um yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's kind of a new brand of like clever real life marketing that we're getting real life like bringing the movie into our real world um i'm yeah. loving that so much i think it's just such a such a fun thing for movie fans and like yeah you like you, the marketing's so important it's so hard to be successful at the box office yeah. these days if you're not like a pre-sold franchise and um yeah i think that's a part of the reason too you know a lot of people complain i don't want to see the trailer because i feel like i saw the whole movie in the trailer yeah. and it's like a lot of trailers do that too because they are just trying so hard to sell you like come see this yeah and maybe they uh kind of step on their own feet in the process yeah it's it's such a weird fine balance like and when they get it right oh, <laughs> it's amazing yeah absolutely yeah. totally agree um Okay, so what are a few words of advice that you would give to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially to those just getting started? Read a lot. Mm -hmm. Unproduced screenplays, produced screenplays, friends screenplays, good, bad, shit you don't like. That isn't like particularly shit you want to write either. Mm -hmm. I think like you can learn, like I'm not, I'm a terrible comedy writer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> I cannot do it. I tried. Mm -hmm. Um but reading comedies, like it's, you gain a different perspective that you can, I don't know if I could apply it to my horror stuff mm -hmm. yet once I figure it out, but like, mm -hmm. yeah, reading a lot of stuff you don't like and stuff you do like, but mm -hmm. don't get like so caught up in trying to be them. Find yourself and live a lot of life to figure it out. I think that's the most important part, living life because yeah. you can't have stories if you, you know, you're just stuck doing nothing <laughs> yeah cooped up in a room all day writing it's like you know do that later <laughs> do that later and this is especially yeah. for the younger people if you're you know a writer 30 and up and you've lived a life before getting into this then you have enough in the well to get going that's how yeah. it was for me i didn't start until i was like 26 27 yeah. and i had already just had 
quite a fucking childhood and stuff. So I had a lot, I, yeah. I had things to talk about. Um, but yeah, you know, if you, if you didn't have that, I, I think I, that's one reason I feel not bad for, but like, you know, when you see screenwriting students who are like 19 and 20 in screenwriting yeah. classes, if like, if you didn't have like an exceptionally interesting childhood, like you're an immigrant, you know, who immigrated here at 10 or, you know, you had some fucked up thing in your family or, you know, a great <laughs> loss or something. If you just kind of had like a normal childhood, it, it might be kind of hard to get started um, in telling stories that really grip people, you know, mm -hmm. um, when you're having to completely 100% manufacture everything, every bit, every theme. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's just tough. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone from writing, keep going, but living oh, yeah, life write as many huge... shitty things as you can like yeah. and live your life like yeah. i i only started this thing like three years ago and i had always i'd lived quite a long and i'd written for other ways quite a long time mm -hmm. but like just wrote so many shitty screenplays yeah right get yeah. those out of your system they learn along the way because like yep. the first thing you write isn't going to be good no. and i learned that very quickly yep. <laughs> in my yeah. word document outline <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah it was so bad yeah. It, I mean, and that's how it is for everyone. No one just comes out of the gate killing it. Yeah. Even people who are like, quote unquote, overnight successes. I'm pretty sure every single one of them has like that shitty script or yeah. if if nothing else, the shitty first draft of the thing that became good later. Yeah, exactly. You know? There's so many like professional screenwriters and stuff that talk about like their favorite scripts that never got made. The things that they think are like the best thing and they've made they've gotten like huge, great movies made. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. that could be you too. Just keep writing. I'll yep. like never know which one's going to work. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a, uh, yeah. Uh, I have a producer friend. He's actually the one who's one of the producers on the script that we're hopefully going to make. Um, but go. he, he's very big on, you know, have three things going all the time. You know, yeah. and that's been rough for me because I'm someone who likes to think of one project and just pour myself into it and let that whole world absorb all of my brain. Yeah. And again, it's another thing that I'm kind of like trying to curb myself, curb that behavior now because he's not the first one. He's a highly successful producer, mm -hmm. but I've had a lot of people like even friends who are in the WGA and like, you know, different people say that. And when you hear enough people who are doing really well say that, it's like, okay, maybe I need to do that. Maybe yeah, they're right. shit, they're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're right. And so I'm trying to figure that out. But it's like that thing we said of like, even as long as we've been writing at this point and having some small amounts of success, um, you know, you don't know anything yet. You know, you're, yeah, still, exactly. you're still figuring it out. So it's like if a lot of people who have had more success than you and seem to be really killing it or dropping advice to you, you know, take it into consideration, you know, um, yeah, they, exactly. they might, they Never might be right. shut yourself off from anything. No, whether it be life experiences or, oh, I mean, I've definitely done that, but that's yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, we learning from older people, yep. more professional people, Yep. more people that know shit <laughs> yep so, yeah, yeah i mean that's a thing like as a kid you know you never want to listen to older people telling you what to do yeah i'm 34 now and i kind of love it whenever an older person is like you know just gives me a bit of wisdom and i'm like i should listen to that yeah because you know, yeah. i've yeah. just fucked up enough times now that i know i'm not right and <laughs> yeah. uh you know you should you know not everyone who's <laughs> older than you knows better than you i'm not saying that but 
if they seem to have a good head on their shoulders and they're dropping, you know, a gem on you, you know, you should listen. Put that but, shit in your pocket for later. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Joe, you're at on Twitter is at Joe Strange, S-T-R-A-Y-N-G-E. Um, everybody go follow Joe. He's a great follow. He's killing it. Um, probably someone to really model yourself after if you're trying to like use the internet in a way to gain some momentum. Um, I, I think that you're really doing well in that department. Um Thanks. I don't know. I don't know if I'm a model citizen yet, but you know, yeah. Try yeah. my best. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. Well, pick and choose with Joe. There's a lot of bad. A lot of bad. A lot of bad. <laughs> but, um, you know, find the good things in there. There's a few good things. And you can do the same with me. There's a lot of bad. But, yeah. A couple, uh, anyway, couple of gems every now and again. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. This is the best. All right, y'all. Episode 31 is in the books. I want to thank Joe Favolero for coming on the show and giving us his time and his knowledge and wisdom and all of those things, sharing his story with us. Great dude. Great follow on Twitter. Again, he's at Joe Strange, S-T-R-A-Y-N-G-E. Go give him a follow and check out his cool concept posters that he makes for his screenplays because they're pretty dope. Um, that's all I got. If you guys, again, once again, if you want to check out CAPTCHA or Ethan and Edna, whatever's on my YouTube channel, Andy Compton, I'd really appreciate it. Um, trying to get the YouTube presence up a little bit, get some subscribers, and put out some more film-related content uh, based on the films that I've made. Maybe some more videos that are kind of like helpful if you want to make your first short film and you don't know where to start because it's really hard to start. It's just hard, especially if you're someone who doesn't really have money or you know resources or friends in that industry so yeah we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna think up some cool videos for that like i said i've just been really focused on writing and trying to get some writing done uh that's it for me though guys i hope you're all doing well out there i know it's crazy times right now with the strike i hope that this was a welcome break from that and you can just kind of think about writing rather than the industry being on fire um but support the wga i'm not wga but i am in firm support of the wga and their goals because their goals and their wants are my needs tomorrow so and that's how i think a lot of us non-wga writers should be looking at it is that their fight is our fight it's fighting for our future and when we're in that position we need to be fighting for the next generation of writers we all have to take care of each other. Don't be a scab. It's lame. Don't. It's just so lame to do that. And I've seen a couple people that I can't tell if they're trolling or not on Twitter, kind of random accounts that I've never seen before, claim, you know, like, hey, I'm open to work, NBC Universal and Paramount and Sony and all these people tagging the accounts of those. Uh, those struck companies and i can't tell if they're joking or not but i think they're serious and that's the lamest shit ever and you don't belong in the screenwriter family if you're doing that it's just really really lame so anyway guys support the wga i know so many of you are doing so many great things if it's not picketing it's donating to the fund so that they can have food and drinks and whatever they need out there that's what i did and i bought a shirt the other day that I'm waiting on, but all proceeds went to the fund. I forget what the name is, WGA community fund or something like that. But um, yeah, anyway, 
we're hoping for better times soon. I'm hoping this thing wraps up sooner rather than later. And I know you all are too. Just hang in there. Keep fighting the good fight. I love to see it. I wish I was in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago or any major market because I would come out and do my fair share. But unfortunately, in St. Louis, there's just not a lot going on in the film industry. Um, but I am in strong support and doing whatever I can from here to support you guys. Love you. Hope you guys are doing well. Keep writing. Keep focused on the dream. I will talk to you next time. Uh, bye bye. The Social Screenwriters Podcast.